church. Can we give another round of applause to our worship team this morning? That was... And here's another thing. Being up here leading worship every week, um, usually, I just want to... I don't get the chance to say this to a lot of you a lot, but I really appreciate the worship culture that you guys have. Like hearing just even standing backstage and just hearing you guys worship out, it, it is amazing every single week. So props to you guys. Um, but let's get started this morning uh, with the sermon. I uh, get to do it this week. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and this morning, uh, my name is Scotty Cowan. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here at this church. And this morning we are going to see something extremely rare in the church world. Um, we are going to uh, be a part of a youth pastor preaching out of the Old Testament. So absolutely just unheard of stuff. Uh, we are, we're very, uh, we, we, most of us don't even know there's a whole first half of the book. So it is, uh, it's going to be a journey today. But we've been in this series called Not So Superheroes. Uh, and it, it's been a time to take a look at the Bible and see, you know, what God is doing in all of the lives in the Bible. Uh, and, and these names that we can tend to skip over, and, and these names that when we bring them up, we go, okay, who exactly is that this morning? So this morning, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there, your apps, you can tap over. Exodus 18 is where we're going to start. I'm going to pray, and we're going to go ahead and get started. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this wonderful worship team leading us, God, and just thank you for allowing us to be in your presence this morning. As we continue, Lord, I pray we look to you. And see what you have for us, God. Lord, we love you. We praise your name. Amen. So as he's taking care of his farm for the day, he has sent his daughters out to go get water for the flock, the farm, and the family. And as they're returning, they're bringing back with them a, a man. And he, he's wondering what exactly is going on. And as his daughters walk up, they say, we went to get the water. And when we got there... There was these group of men that tried to shoo us away, wouldn't allow us to get water, and this man came to our defense. Uh, and he says that his name is Moses. And he looks at him and he says, well, son, thank you so much uh, for that, like for allowing us to get water. Would you like to come in and join us for dinner tonight? He says, sure. So he comes in, joins us for dinner. He finds out that he is actually on the run from the Egyptians um, and, and so he invites them to stay with them for a while. And after a while, he really takes a liking to Moses. And he offers one of his daughters to him in marriage. And sure enough, they do get married and, and start a family. And Moses is there with them for 40 years. And after 40 years, Moses comes back and says, I've had a revelation with God and I need to go back to Egypt. Will you allow me to do that? And he says, yes. Uh, go, go in peace. And he watches Moses go with his family. And after some time, his daughter, who is Moses' wife, comes back with a couple of their sons. And he's hearing about how Moses said, you know, we needed to be safe. There's some things that are going to be going on. And then he starts to hear rumors of the entire Israelite nation coming out of slavery and escaping the Egyptians. And hearing rumors of them parting the Red Sea and walking across. And so not only does he want to go back to Moses to bring his wife and his children back to him, but... He wants to also hear about what is going on. And this is where we find ourselves today in the Bible in Exodus chapter 18. We are going to be talking about a man named Jethro, who is Moses' father-in-law. And a lot of people go, oh, that's a very interesting name for a father-in-law. And, and, and I was the same way. I, I've heard this story. I've read over this chapter and just kind of skimmed over it. And, and that's why when I was planning the sermon, I was like, well, why don't we talk about what Jethro did? 
Uh, and so Exodus chapter 18, starting in verse 5, the Bible says this. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and went to, into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses, Moses' father-in-law, in the presence of God. So Jethro, we've been giving everybody superhero names and superhero powers, and I think Jethro is kind of a twofold kind of guy. Not that he has like two completely separate, like by day, by night. It's not even a by day, by night thing, but I was thinking about those superheroes that like by day, Batman is the rich guy, and by night, he gets to be the superhero. And, and Jethro kind of has this two-pronged name and power. And in this first half of this passage, we see that by day, he is Captain Affirmation slash Celebration. Uh, and his superpower is investment. And I think this is something that is very overrated that we take for granted, um, not only to have in our lives, but to have people around us in our lives that have this. And what I mean by that is just like if you're invested into a company with your money, you want to know like the good things that are going on in the company. Like, please tell me, I want to hear about it. And I think those people in life, in relationships are very underrated. Those people who want to truly sit down with you and say, I want to hear about what's going on in your life. Like, I really actually want to hear about the good things. Please tell me, even if I've already heard rumors about it, I want to hear it from you. And then... I want to celebrate it, and I want to affirm it. And these people are so valuable in life that we should strive to at least have a little bit of this. Not everybody can have this kind of personality, and that's okay. But to have a little bit of this, especially with the people that we truly care about, is huge, is vital. And having these people around us, and that's part of really being in community. If you, know, if you want to celebrate and affirm people, you have to first be around people, <laughs> and if you want people to celebrate and affirm you, you have to first be around people. Um, but even just this week, uh, as Riley said, we're leaving for camp tomorrow morning. Uh, and so I, this last week, I was kind of in this weird balance of like final camp prep and also sermon prep. And on Thursday, I was just in an absolute stress mess. Um, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this card appears on the table in front of me, and I open it up, and all it is I'm crying just thinking about it, um, is just a simple affirmation and celebration and a thank you. And it made me weep at the table. I was just sitting there reading this card, sorry. Um, I was sitting there reading this card, just crying with joy, like I, it just kind of took the heaviness off. And this aspect, not in only in our personal lives, are, are very important to have towards other people, but to have other people that will do this for us. 
And so that's kind of the by day side uh, of Jethro. And, and just an extra piece to this too. Um, it's also important in our everyday lives to talk about what God has done in our life because it's so cool to see it happen, play out right here. Like Jethro heard it through this person telling this person, telling this person, telling this person, and it just reaches out to where like people start to see, and even in Jethro's response, right? Now I see that the Lord is greater than all other gods. And so it's important for us to tell the story of what God is doing in our life just so other people can experience, you know, through us, like God's power and stuff. And so that's just a little extra side of it. Um, but now let's get to what happens the very next day. So starting in chapter, still in chapter 18, but going to verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they are to live and how they ought to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring the, every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. So we see Jethro as the encourager, the celebrator, uh, and, and then by night we see him with discernment and wisdom and his power as a manager. Um, one of the things that I really love about these instructions that Jethro gives is he says, if God so commands, do this. And so he's very aware of like, I'm going to give you advice, but if you just really feel like God's not saying the same thing, then don't worry about it. In this case, God is saying the same thing. Um, but this wisdom that we've kind of talked about in other areas during this series um, and this discernment and it's just power as a manager to sit back and go, okay, this isn't the most effective way to do this. And in fact, this is going to start to become harmful if you're not careful. And, and so he really sets up really the first instance we see of what is the modern day leadership pipeline. Where he says, all right, yes, you are in charge, Moses. He says that. Like, it's important for you to be in charge because God has put you there. But... If you appoint these that can be over thousands and then they can set up another level that are over hundreds and they can set up another level that are over fifties and under tens and over that, then all of a sudden there's going to be this workflow, this leadership pipeline that's going to flow so nicely. And what I like about the leadership pipeline is a couple things. Number one is it makes it so it's not about you. 
right? I, I think there's an aspect to when Jethro initially asks Moses, like, what are you doing? He says, well, the people come to me, and I decide, and I, and me, and I, and me, and there's this aspect where once you set up the leadership pipeline, it becomes not about you, which is important, especially like even just reading the Bible, right? When we open the Bible, this story today, who's the main character? God, right? The, the story of David and Goliath, who's the main character? God. The story of Noah's Ark, who's the main character? God, right? And these people do these amazing things through the, the powers, the gifts, and the talents that God has given them. But when we decide to make our leadership about trying to build up other people, which we're going to get to in a second, it starts to become not about us. And I was thinking about it, and I really wanted, I wonder what the nitty-gritty of Moses' leadership style looked like before and after this. Before, he was probably in this mindset of like, okay, I am the expert right now. I am the one expert that we have, right? And I'm really the only one that can do this. And if, you know, others will probably mess this up if I give them too much power. Now, I'm not going to blame this all on him because where did they just come from? Egypt. And who was he looking to as the, quote, leader of Egypt? Pharaoh. This is what he's been watching his whole life is this one guy kind of in power. And so he's just probably trying to take from that. And he probably has a fear of loss, a fear of not being needed, maybe even a fear of asking for help. And I think maybe once this leadership pipeline was established, afterwards, he went from being the expert to the teacher, someone who can look around and can be proud of others' accomplishments. One can realize that mistakes are okay, and that will actually be a huge part of, of growth a and develop his purpose probably not to say that Moses is a selfish guy, but if you're not careful, if you alone are trying to be the leader of something or another, it can start to become about you gaining credit. And instead, it, when you set up the leadership pipeline and looking to build up others, it becomes about developing those others. And you actually gain joy and satisfaction by watching those others step up and, and do what God has made them to do. And that's a huge part of the second point. Uh, leadership pipeline number two is allows for growth and progression, right? Because how did Moses see the people before? He would sit in that judge chair all day and he would hear about their problems. So he's looking at the Israelite nation as a bunch of people with a bunch of problems. And that probably sets up a viewpoint of, okay, they're kind of helpless. They're a little bit needy. Maybe even, okay, they're a little lazy. And instead, now that Jethro says, okay, do this, once you establish that leadership pipeline afterwards, all of a sudden those people become collaborators. And now the question is, okay, who has the talent to get this job done? Who is interested in joining this team? Who could be a leader? And the viewpoint changes to, okay, I'm the one that has to help all these people to how can these people help these other people? And how, how, how can these people start to even help themselves? And how can I help them grow? And number three, it creates a stronger community. Because again, where did they just come from? Egypt. And what are all the Israelites used to being in everyday life? Slaves. 
So my bet is they weren't even looking at this situation as a problem. Because in their minds, they're already, they've always been kind of the passive, helpless, do what other people tell us to do people. They're used to being slaves. They're used to being the one. And now, through this leadership pipeline model, all of a sudden they can start to take ownership in things. All of a sudden they can realize, I'm capable of things. I'm capable of accomplishing things. I'm capable of accomplishing the purpose that God has given me. And so they wake up out of helplessness and this idea of a complete lack of self-worth and move into this idea of having a God-given purpose and a mission. And they find worth and purpose in that. And now they can start to drive through life with that mindset. And so I think this is such a beautiful thing for so many different ways. And I feel like sometimes if we start to take leadership as, okay, it's me, I got to do this thing, it's all, it can just get clogged up. And what Jethro says, you'll get worn out. And we see this, I think people sometimes can fall into a false leadership sense that you have to do this. But in reality, people are looking for a leadership pipeline type of leader. I was very interested, you know, with me being the youth pastor, I'm always very interested in looking at um, younger people and seeing like, okay, what are they looking at? What are they looking towards? Like, what are their interests? And I sent a text out to a lot of different youth and young adults that we had, that we have in this church. And I said, what is your number one most important thing that you would say that a leader needs to have? And these are a lot of their answers. Respect of the people you lead. Uh, always being aware of the impact you have on others, what you say and do. Alejandro Keener with the gold one down in the corner. Everyone leaves alive. Love that one. That's a good one. That's a good rule to have. Um, but being an honest example, ensuring that you are, who you are leading is encouraged and feels welcome. Being able to direct people in a kind, encouraging, and patient way. Setting a good example. Leading by example. Being vulnerable. That one gets people. Wait, as a leader, I've got to be vulnerable. Yeah. Integrity, balancing boundaries and empathy, connection to who you lead. And here's what I realized. If we as a church aren't leading in this way, they're going to find other people who are leading in that way. And I'll be honest, the world's gotten really good at doing a lot of this, but then when it comes to what they're leading people to, it's completely the wrong thing. So they gotten really good at being able to connect and make people feel welcome and, and all this. And then they just lead them to the completely wrong thing. So I think as a, as a church, it's important for us to realize for the younger generation, for people in our gender, for our age group, whatever it is, that first we've got to start with this. And then we can lead them to the most beautiful thing there is to lead them to, which is Jesus. And speaking of a guy that did the leadership pipeline really well, Jesus. Which is weird, because if there's one person who could do it all by himself perfectly, it was Jesus. And yet, we see it in Matthew 10, Mark 6, and Luke 9. This moment where he sends out the 12 disciples. Um, let's go ahead and read that. We're going to read the one out of Luke 9 today. 
When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Listen, teen boys, don't do that for camp, please. Bring deodorant, bring extra shirts. Just please don't get the wrong message here. Uh, <laughs> uh, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. I wonder what the number was, like what the math would look like of in that same span of time, if it would have been just Jesus doing this versus how many people were blessed because Jesus put this into place. He said, yes, <laughs> Moses was wrong in thinking like he could carry all the weight. Jesus could literally carry all the weight if he wanted to. But he said, no, it is about putting you into action. And he starts to set the example for them. It's kind of this idea of later he's going to give the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. Because if it's just go and preach the word and forget the discipleship, forget the leadership pipeline first, it dies off with the first disciples and that's it. But because they decided to build into others' lives and build them up and lead them and let them discover their own gifts, talents, abilities, and that let them discover how they can move in the kingdom of God, it's continuing even today. And this other idea of the leadership pipeline is we need to make sure that we are being trees, not pipes. Now go with me for a second. Trees and pipes are both conduits of water, right? When you set up a pipe to move water, the water moves from A to Z, right? So if you are leading people, even if it is you are communicating the gospel, right? If you want to, are in a leadership role and you just move the water from A to Z, you've led people, okay? A tree is the same conduit of water, but it takes that water, the power of the Holy Spirit, right, the gifts and the talents that God has given us, it soaks it up and does what? It itself grows. It itself starts to produce fruit. And in a lot of different plants, the seeds from those plants scatter and create more trees that soak up more water. Because here's the interesting part about Jesus sending out the 12, who went on that journey and did all those things? Who was one of the disciples that was a part of all of that? Judas. Judas was a part of that endeavor. He, at some point, had a trip up where it just became about leading. It just be, and he never really soaked it in. And we know what happens later with the betrayal of Jesus. And so when we're in a part of this leadership, I know we're calling it pipeline. I should have called it tree line. Um, but this leadership pipeline, we have to make sure that we are also building up ourselves in our relationship with God and constantly soaking in what he has for us as well. Because when you do that, right, then people can look at to your example and, and, and then you start to see like, okay, I will also start to soak up what Jesus has for me. And you see decisions towards baptism, right? Remember, next Sunday is the 17th. We have a beach baptism that day. If you're on the fence and you're wondering, like, what a life with Jesus looks like, 
uh, I would encourage you to talk to me, talk to DJ, Pastor Tim, Pastor Marcus, anybody, right? And make that decision and, and start to live in the life of Christ that God has for you, right? We already talked about the discipleship aspect. Go and make disciples. If you're just leading, okay, I'm just going to lead these people, and when my time is done, then I'm out of leadership, right? What, no, you soak in what God has for you. You realize these people are also his creations, just as capable of being leaders, and you raise them up. And now when it's time for you to step out, it's a whole other generation of leaders ready to move. Um, there's this idea of the great parade that I've heard from a couple different speakers that I love every time. But when you think about the influences that you've had in your life that have led you closer to Jesus, so I think about right, my parents, uh, my grandpa, um, my youth pastor, even like Pastor Tim, all these different people. I think, okay, okay I kind of have different pieces from all of them. But you think about, okay, who led them? Who gave them you know, the, the tools and, and who built them up? And then you think about, okay, who built those people up and who built those people up and who built those people up? And you start to realize, and the way it's talked about is the great parade in heaven where someone's looking back and like, oh, I influenced that person. They influenced those 10 people and those people. And you look back and you just see the, the chain reaction effect of what it looks like to soak up what God has for us so that when we're in these leadership roles, we can look at other people not as, we can look at leading not as, I'm going to look towards the next thing that I can accomplish as a leader, but rather than looking at yourself as a leader and saying, okay, I have influence, I've been given this role, who can I build up and who can I elevate to the next thing, rather than how can I elevate myself to the next thing. Lastly, our last little aspect of Jethro, verse 24, it says, Moses listens to his father-in-law, and all the fathers said, amen. Let's try that again. Moses listened to his father-in-law, and all the fathers said, amen. amen. Yeah, yeah. And did everything he said. <laughs> Youth, pay attention. Um, he chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple was they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned back to his own country. Leadership pipeline number five, recognize when it's other times to leave. Recognize when it's others' time to leave. Because Jethro could have stayed around. Jethro could have stayed around and went, okay, Moses, I'm going to sit here and make sure you do this right. But with Jethro stepping out and saying, you know, I, I, he set it up and he said, good job, man, good luck. It's your time. Now Jethro can now look at others and he doesn't have to hover around these people. He can look at the example that was set for him. And yes, are people going to mess up? Yeah. Are they going to need some coaching and, and some love and some training? Yeah. But Jethro recognized it's Moses' time to lead. Moses is going to recognize, okay, I've, you're in this position, you're in that position, God has put you in these positions, it's your time to go. And that example is going to be set over and over and over again. Just like with Jesus, right? Sends them on their journey, comes back. 
Okay, I've got a little bit of extra time, so I'm going to talk about this aspect. Just real quick, we're going to come back. Another important part about being a leader is taking care of yourself. We've kind of talked about this, but the importance is when Jethro told Moses, you're going to burn yourself out if you do it just kind of on your own and you don't take care of yourself and you don't. What's interesting about the disciples when they went on that journey, they came back super duper duper tired, right? They weren't rested. They weren't ready. And they weren't literally with Jesus. And, and yes, they were out doing great things, but it's so important for us to be in constant relationship with Jesus in these leadership moments. Because do you know what happens right after they return to Jesus after that journey? Is the feeding of the 5,000. And when the 5,000 people show up, the disciples go, we're tired, we're done, we don't want to do this. They're sitting in front of 5,000 people, a chance to communicate the gospel to 5,000 people. Right, and help, and help as Jesus is going to move. And they're like, we're good. And so what Jethro, or what Moses did, right, is he set up this pipeline so he doesn't get burnt out like that. And so it's important for us to take care of ourselves. Sorry, that was just a quick thing. But Jesus even recognized, okay, the disciples go out, they come back, they get their training for these three years, and then Jesus dies, raises from the dead, walks around with them for a while, and then says, it's time for you to lead. It's time for you to lead. Again, the most capable leader the earth has ever seen looked at them and said, nope, it's now your time, and set the example, right? So that when Paul shows up to the disciples and says, all right, I've got this message, they can look at him and say, okay, it's your time to lead. And Paul with, with Timothy, right? Okay, now it's Timothy's your time, and you start to see it happen. And so as we go through and we look at this leadership pipeline, wherever you are, I've said it multiple times, not only to the youth, but to different people, no matter what you think about, you have influence and leadership in your life right now. You have influence over someone. You have a leadership aspect over someone. And so being a part of this great leadership pipeline that God has set up for his kingdom to move in an efficient way. We have to make sure that we always remember it's not about us. And to always allow for growth and progression of people around us. To keep that strong community together. Right? And to realize when it's others' time to lead. And so as we move forward as a church, I would encourage you to find where that aspect is. Let me tell you this. This church staff here at this church is very, very, very good at this. It's one thing that drew my family in right when we got to this church. And it's something that I am a great beneficiary of. I showed up to this church. Tim and DJ said, hey, this kid might want to help out and volunteer in the youth ministry. And so I did. And I was just kind of around and would help run the games. And, and then a little bit later, DJ asked if I wanted to kind of help run the middle school discussion group. And then they brought me in as an intern and, and trained and did this and then kind of put me in charge of the middle school, group, middle school group. And then after a couple years later, this recognition of, okay, now it's Scotty's time to take over as the youth pastor. Same thing that happened with Riley, right? And same thing's happening right now. The, that worship initiative that's going on, if you've heard about it in this church over this summer, of us recognizing like, okay, there's gifts and talents at this church. Let's kind of train and build them up. You had one, two, three aspects on the worship team this morning who are benefit. And so let me encourage you in this. If you're interested 
and learning kind of how to step into God's kingdom and what role you might have. Maybe you're really good at making people laugh, making people feel welcome. Maybe you're really good at playing with technology. Maybe you're really good at just making sure a baby stops crying in the nursery. (laughs) But I would encourage you to talk to one of the, the lead volunteers we have, one of the pastors of this church, and figure out, okay, where might I fit in into this great leadership pipeline that we have in God's kingdom and that we have at this church and that we have in this community? And that's my encouragement to you. Recognize that you are worthy, that you have a purpose, and that God has a great plan for you, and then let us help you move along that path and, and watch how God grows and trains you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. At this time, we're going to transition into communion. Um, and it's this time where we remember Jesus' great sacrifice for us. Where Jesus took the pain and the suffering of the cross and gave his life so that we can live in his freedom. We can live in his purpose. We can live in this great leadership pipeline. And during this time, we remember that. We say thank you to him for that. So church, join me in this time of communion as we pray and move into that time. Lord, thank you that you are good. Lord, and thank you that you see worth in us and purpose in us. Lord, and thank you for giving us leaders around us to help train us in that. Lord, and that you, as the ultimate leader, as the ultimate example, want to have relationship with us. So God, as we look to you and thank you for your sacrifice in this time, I pray that you stir in our hearts. Lord, define where we can continue the leadership pipeline that you've set up and continue to work in the purpose that you have for us, God. Lord, you are so good. Lord, we love you. We praise you in your name.